Welcome to the first day of Advent, the day of hope and faith is the theme of Advent for today. Uh, I'm not specifically speaking about hope and faith, but I do hope that you'll find this a hopeful and faithful message. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, so James started last week and we're talking about the names of Jesus and uh, I got Messiah. So, and I, I, you know, when this came through, I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then I kind of grappled with it for quite some time because it, it can mean, it, well, since I can mean, it, it, there's so much meaning to it. And the question was what and, and what, the, what should I focus on? What's the, what's the message? For us. Um, so we'll see if this is the message. <laughs> uh, so I want to start just quickly. Uh, Messiah um, means anointed in Hebrew. And, the, and the, the word is used in a whole lot of contexts. It's used when they um, put oil over the uh, implements on the altar um, to prepare them for their use in the sacrificial system. So, um, and in Samuel, you see Samuel anointing Saul and then David to be king. And so there's this, the, this, uh, the process of anointing is this process of setting apart for the work of the Lord. And, but Messiah came to mean a whole lot more than that as well. Uh, and I'm not going to do a survey of the Old Testament uh, on what Messiah means uh, because because I that's not what I think the message is. But it's really it's really good to do that and to dig into what what did the Jewish people think the Messiah meant? Who is the Messiah? What is the Messiah? Uh, the King in the line of David. Um, and. So broadly speaking, as a broad summary of all that, the, the, the thinking at the time was that the Messiah would be the promised king, the promised king that would come and save Israel from slavery and from foreign oppression. The liberating king, just as they were liberated by the, the king, by, the, by God, right? In the exile, the Messiah would be the appointed person who was going to liberate Israel. And at the time of Jesus, there was a whole lot of different expectation about who or what this Messiah, well, who, not really what, well, who this Messiah was, was and what they were going to do. So on one hand, you had zealots, people who uh, saw the Messiah as this political king, this person who's going to come in and lead an uprising and take out the Romans and, and restore Israel to its political kingdom glory. You had other sects like the Essenes who separated themselves out in the desert to be, be away from the pollution of the world because they saw that the Messiah was going to come and rescue the clean and a sort of an apocalyptic Messiah who was going to come and judge everything. And there was all sorts of stuff in the middle. And I think one of the things I love about the Gospels is the disciples and the way that they react to Jesus from their expectations of who he is, um, or who they th sorry from yeah, and who they think he is. Um, so, what I want to do though 
is really drill into this idea of the chosen king and who, who is the Messiah and how is he represented in the Gospels. So I've got a quote here, if it works, from uh, N.T. Wright. This is a part of, he's got a big systemic theology called The New Testament and the People of God, and this is a summary of one of the chapters. After the end of Jesus' ministry, after his death and resurrection, this is uh, the summary that N.T. Wright gives. Israel hope, Israel's hope has been realised. The true God has acted decisively to defeat the pagan gods to, and to create a new people through whom he will rescue the world from evil. This has been done through the true King Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, in particular through his death and resurrection. The process of implementing this victory by means of the same God continuing to act through his spirit in his people is not yet complete. One day the king will return to judge the world and set up a kingdom which is on a different level to the kingdoms of the present world order. And so in there, there's this king who came, Jesus. The, 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 this, the God's plan has been accomplished through the true King Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, and in particular his death and resurrection. And so that is the hope upon which we stand. And that, but that didn't finish the job. As it says, the, the, it's not yet complete. And so one day the king will return to finish the job. And that is also the hope upon which we stand. And the faith that we have, the... the there is, um, uh, I think, if I recall correctly, James mentioned this last week, but the, the resurrection is pivotal to this. If, if it didn't happen, if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then we also will not be resurrected when the time comes and it's all kind of for nothing. So we have this very real hope and faith in the events of God working in the events of history in the person of Jesus, both then, now, and then. So, let's dig into it a little bit. Jesus is the king who was and is and is to come. And that's pretty awesome. I just, I don't know. Um, so, I want to go to Matthew chapter 2, and I'm not going to uh, read the whole thing out, but I'm kind of going to flick through it. So, if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open it up and have a look. There's this really cool thing, right? So, prior to this, in Matthew, we've got the genealogy of Jesus, and then Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. And then, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there's these events that happen. And so there's these wise men, right? I, I, I just Every time I think about the three wise men, I think about the, well, the 70s, right? And we would sing, three, the, you know, we three kings of Orient, uh, and we'd always... Um, all I can remember is smoking on a rubber cigar because we always learnt the, 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 you know, the, 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 the bad, you know, the naughty words for it. So I don't actually know what the actual song says, but um, anyway. <clears throat> so so this, these kings come, these wise men, sorry, come, and they are likely prosperous people. They're likely scholars of some kind. Um, they clearly can afford to travel a long way. Uh, they probably came from further east, maybe in Persia or somewhere like that. 
And they came. And they come and they, they go and they're following the star and they've read the signs. And the signs say that a king has been born. The king of the Jews has been born. And so they go to the king of the Jews, Herod, and say, the king of the Jews has been born. Can we see him? And Herod's going, you, you what? No, that's okay. Hmm, something's not, go- something's not right here. His reaction is um, uh, actually one of fear. And he, he gets the prophets and they say, well, this is, they, they speak the, the words that say where the king will be born. The wise men go to Jerusalem and they bow down. They worship the king of the Jews. They give him gifts worthy of a king. And then having had a dream about the treacherousness of Herod, they go home by a different way. And then Joseph it's, it's interesting because we don't hear much about Joseph, right? He, he, he sort of, he's, this, he's betrothed and then he has this moral quandary about whether or not he should marry his betrothed because she got, she's pregnant. And, uh, and then he has, these, he has a series of dreams from God leading him through a bunch of stuff. And then we don't hear any more of him. So I, I just want to say he was obedient to those dreams and, and that's a good thing. But he has a dream about Herod and, and Herod uh, reacting to the birth of the king of the Jews. And so they leave and they go to Israel. Uh, not to Israel, sorry, to Egypt. And, and then Herod, finding out that he's been tricked, sends a bunch of people off to kill all the kids under two in this area. Which sounds remarkably a lot like another king in the Bible, right? Like Pharaoh. Here is Herod acting like Pharaoh. And then there's this deeply ironic thing that to flee the persecution of an evil king, they go to Egypt. So now it's a Jewish despot trying to wipe out the people of Israel, well, the king of the Jews. And they come back after Herod dies. And... You know, as I read this and I go through this, it's become apparent to me that there's a pattern here. That really there are only two reactions to Jesus as Messiah. Either, regardless of your status, poor shepherd, because they also worshipped him as Messiah and king, or rich wise man, whatever that means, you worship him, or you kill him, or you want to kill him. You want to dethrone him. You do not want him to be king. And there's no middle ground here. That, that, that is the reaction. Then, throughout the Gospels and throughout history, and people have become much more clever about the ways they try to dethrone Jesus as king of kings, but that's still what they want to do. They want to, they want to dethrone him. They do not want to submit to him. Worship is an act of submission. So there's this, it's, 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 just, it's really stark, starkly painted there in the reactions of the wise men and the reactions of Herod, both of whom were the elites in society at the time. So we can react to him in one of two ways, fear and anger, or holy fear and reverence and worship. And God and his grace 
has um, made a way for us to really worship him in that holy fear and worship. So I want to jump ahead. So we see that's the birth of the king. In Matthew 27, we see the kings, the king being enthroned. So, the, 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 the story of the Gospels is the story of Jesus coming and demonstrating the kingdom. He doesn't just come and talk about it. He comes and says, this is it. In Luke 4, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah uh, and says, da, 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 sorry, should have marked it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were, were, were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he came, he, he, he came to fulfil those messianic prophecies. And he goes on this journey to do that. And he's building this, this momentum towards people seeing that he is the king and understanding that he is the king. And you see it, it's interesting, his journey with the disciples because they don't actually really see it until after his death and resurrection. Um. And there's all, I love the Gospel of Mark because there's all this confusion that the disciples have about what he's doing, but he sets his path towards a confrontation with the pagan empire of the day and with the idolatrous religious empire of the day. And he goes on this journey and he gets to this and he's put on trial for blasphemy. Uh, so the Sanhedrin, he gets taken before the, the Jewish leadership who don't have the power to kill him, they don't have the legal authority, and they want him accused of blasphemy, but they know that crime won't work. The Jews, the, the Romans don't care about whatever your little religion is. And so they take him to Pilate and say he's the king of the Jews. And so he is taken before Pilate and tried as the king of the Jews. He, and James mentioned this yesterday, ironically, he takes the place of someone called Jesus Jesus Barabbas in, the, in this, this sort of epic scene of the... the I, I, I was in, um, at school, I was in Jesus Christ Superstar, and, and one of the... I just love the, 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 the drama that's built into it around the scene where Jesus is on trial before Pilate and the crowd is shouting, crucify him and, and all of that. And, and there's all that going on here. And, and then he's taken away to be killed... And the soldiers mock Jesus. And how do they mock him? They give him a crown and a robe. And they go, aha, you're a king. Smack. Right? And they beat him. They, 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 they spit on him. And they um, torture him. And then he's crucified. And the sign says, king of the Jews. And he's, he's enthroned on the cross. And the people, his own people, so in the Gospel of John, it talks about how, at the start, how the word 
uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, with, was um, with God, and the Word was God, and then it talks about how he came to his people, and his people didn't see him, didn't acknowledge him. Here, as he is hanging on the cross, Israelites are saying things like, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and, and we will believe him. He trusts God. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, you can just see this mockery of him and this, and this mockery of him as the king of Israel. And the, the incredible thing about all of this is that he inhabits this, he endures it, and he transforms it. Yes, he is crucified because he is the king of Israel. And he is resurrected because he is the king of Israel. Because he is the king of kings. This, this thing that happened, this, this, and, and he's enthroned on the cross. That is where he first sits on the throne. It, 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 like I, I think there's this... Um, I don't know, the, the, the irony of it is compelling. There's this, it's almost like God has just turned it all upside down, right? And we talk about the upside down kingdom and he's just taken this. He's taken this, all the worldly expectations of a king and, he, and, and, he's born, and then as king, he's been born into a lowly station. He had a lowly career. He had a ministry that... Um, Gained him a whole lot of notoriety, but led to him being killed in a humiliating and lonely way. And if that was the end of the story, that would be the end of the story and we wouldn't be here. But it's not, because he was raised as the first fruits of the resurrection. Raised to life, so that we might be raised to life. He endured all of that for the joy set before him, which was the salvation of the lost the redemption of the world, the creation of the new heaven and the new earth and the resurrection of the dead. And, and that is, that, what a king. I mean, what a, what a king. So let's jump to the king that's coming. Revelation 19. I saw heaven open and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called Faithful and True. We sang that, didn't we, today? He's faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like, a, are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He, is, he has a name, a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and, and, his, na and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. It's funny, isn't it, to think of an army. Right? Army, what do armies wear? Armies wear armour. What is their armour? White linen. Right? The symbol of their sanctified, saved purity. That is their armour. Coming out of his mouth is a sword, sharp, a sharp sword which, with which to strike down nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. On his robe and, and on his thigh, he has written, he has his name written, King of Kings, Lord 
of Lords. Amen. He is coming as the conquering king. All evil will be put to the sword. Sounds an awful way of putting it, right? But he will speak judgment, righteous judgment against the pagan spirits of the world and the empires they have built. Whether those are political empires, commercial empires, social empires, whatever, they're driven, right? If they, if they are not driven out of holy fear and worship for the Lord, they're driven out of fear and anger and brokenness and sin. And they're driven by the as it says in Ephesians, right, we're not in a contest against flesh and blood. We're, this is about the spirits of the age, right, the pagan spirits of the age that, that manipulate people to set up empires of pain and hurt. And he is coming as the conquering king. As just as the zealots in, in his time as the suffering king wanted him to. They wanted him to come and set to right everything. They wanted him to come and throw out the pagan empire. But he's not just doing it for Israel. He's doing it for everyone, for everything. He will come to save the world, to redeem creation, to usher in the new heavens and the new earth, the resurrection from the dead, that those that we may live in his presence forever. And as Rachel prayed, or worshipped, there'll be no tears, no shame, no pain. That's the promise. That is the hope that we have. That is the faith. And that was what it means when we call Jesus Messiah. He is the king. He's not just the king. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is sovereign over all creation. It doesn't matter what life is like for us, right, in a sense, because he is still king. You know, I've um, been struggling with some things, you know, over time and, and uh, just the sense of not doing or not having done what I think I should have done and all sorts of things. And, and actually, at the end of the day, that happens and that's my circumstances but the king is still kinging, right? He's still on his throne. He's still doing his stuff. He's still working through me, even when I can't see it and can't feel it. He's still doing his job. And I can walk in that line with him. So what does it mean for us? It means we have hope beyond what we see and endure, right? Life, life has all sorts of things you know, the world has all sorts of things to offer us, some of them good, some of them not good, regardless of whether they're good or bad and what's happening to us is good or bad. Jesus is king. He's king of kings. And he is there with us. Like, the, uh, there's, there's so much. I often worship songs and, and, and Christian, like really good Christian music or poetry is, is wonderful. And I think of John Mark Comer's the, the Road, the Rocks and the Weeds and how our Saviour stepped down from eternity and, spread, and, and had his heart spread on the road, the rocks and the weeds. And, and that's the calling for us to go and walk that walk with him. And if that's what happens, then our heart is spread on the road, the rocks and the weeds. And it's just, 
it, it's that it's not, he's not an unapproachable king. It's he's not a king who hasn't endured as well. He's not high and lofty and out there. He came, he was born into um, a world full of iniquity, but he wasn't. He didn't, you know, he wasn't that way. And he walked this life. He came in, in the mud and the dust with us. And uh, Hebrews sums it up. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, you, you think about our earthly kings and, you know, to get an, or queens or whatever, right? To get an audience with them, you've got to go through all this stuff. You've got to get, you know, that you've got to be somehow worthy of having that audience. You've got to then go through a whole lot of protocol and all sorts of stuff just to get in the same room with them. And then you're allowed to say certain things and do certain things and da da da. And you've got to bow like this and do this and, and whatever. Our king of kings is having none of that. That's not how he rules. He's going, just turn up. Come. You're free to come to the throne. Come to the throne to find the grace and the mercy you need. Just come. And, you know, that, that, that's, that's our king. He is high and mighty and over all. And he also comes and walks with us and knows our pain, knows our suffering, comes to inhabit that with us and walk with us in that, knows our joys and our triumphs and walks with us in, us in that too. This is our King of Kings. This is our Messiah. And I think for me, I'm just going to close. I want to read the words of a song and um, then I think I've asked James if we can play and just sing and be thankful to God because that's really, uh, and if you want prayer for anything, so we're just going to, we're going to do that and then, um, and then we'll, we'll break, I guess, at the end of that. But if you want to approach the throne of grace for the, the mercy and to find the grace to help you in your time of need, then we would love to pray for you. So if you want to do that, um, you can come up while we're singing or afterwards just tag someone here. I mean, people, we're all happy to pray for each other or you can come and ask for someone to pray for you up the front. Um, I've been listening to the song kind of on repeat lately um, and it, it sort of wrecks me every time. It's called King of Kings and it's by uh, Brooke Lighterwood. Brooke um, uh, <clears throat> In the darkness we were waiting, without hope, oh my goodness, uh, without light. Till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfil the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, 
from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost. To redeem the whole creation, you did not despise the cross. For even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake you died. In the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath. Till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. So good. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and by his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Um, I've always thought that you can, this is a gospel message in six words. John 19, it is finished. Corinthians 2, 13c, I think, and be thankful. He has done the work. He is doing the work, and he will do the work. Let's be thankful. The king is still king. Come abide, come abide.